Dead men tell no tales. Fifteen men on a dead man's chest. Yo, ho, ho, and a bottle of rum. Drink and the devil had done for the rest. Yo, ho, ho, and a bottle of rum. You best start believing in ghost stories. You're in one. There are no survivors. The ship with black sails that's crewed by the damned. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Black Pearl Show, a Pirates of the Caribbean Minute podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder the Pirates of the Caribbean films, and yes, the expanded universe. We dabble in history, stress, the euphemisms, and strive to have a hell of a good swashbuckler time each and every damn week now that we're back. It's a Movies by Minute podcast where we break down, like I said, each and every single minute of the films in the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise. I'm your host, Scott Artist from scottartist.com. And I'm your host, co-host, <laughs> Heather Artis from BlackPearlShow.com. Thanks for joining us. Today is, this is episode 112 of season two. I almost forgot where I was at. <laughs> Plundering minutes 124 and 125 of Dead Man's Chess. Is it that Chardonnay getting to you? I know. This episode brought to you by Chardonnay. Just wine in general. <laughs> it's, the, it's the power behind the mics. That's what it is. Actually, this might be Jameson Ranch. It is. So there you go. Chardonnay. Not rum. A little mild for us today. Kraken rum is what we should be drinking right now. Oh, we should. Oh, is there such a thing? Oh, yeah. Because that would be kind of cool. There is Kraken rum. Really? You've never seen it? It's a cool bottle. No. We should get some. Kraken rum. We should have got some today. We let everybody down now, including oh, this ourselves. Is ridiculous. Chardonnay is a bit mild. You know, we normally go the red. Chardonnay for pirates. Hmm. Yeah, it's a little, it's a bit. Not pirate-like? Is no, that not saying? at all. Are there, matey. Give me the I'll Chardonnay. some Chardonnay, please. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's crazy. <laughs> it appears things are heating up, though, on the Pirates of the Caribbean number six movie rumors. Is there a date yet? No, not that. But we just caught up with all the stuff, remember, the last yeah, episode? Yeah, last week. Everything that's been floating around the ether since our hiatus. We chatted about it last week. We kind of went through all of it. Then, boom. Just this weekend, right before I started to do some prep for the show, new info started floating around about the Disney Empire and Pirates of the Caribbean. No way! Yeah. Most of the stuff that we discussed is out, okay? And apparently Johnny Depp is being eyed for the return of Sparrow in a new movie. Seriously? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, so Zac Efron is out, and that seems that uh, these recent revelations that came out from his ex, Amber Heard, and her abuse allegations are kind of, that were kind of clouding... Depp's persona, you know, his, uh, the return of Jack Sparrow for Johnny yeah. Depp, basically. But those are clearing up because there is some stuff in there that made it look like uh, maybe she's not really truth telling, let's just say. Oh, okay. And maybe was doing some of the stuff herself, or maybe I should say being the abuser, not the abusee. Really? Yeah. Oh, interesting. So according to Inside the Magic, uh, and they say, the same rumor also suggests that the next big movie will cast a woman as a central role and Depp's Captain Jack will simply be there for support. Oh. If this is the case, there's almost no doubt that it will be Red Carrot. I screwed that up. It should have said. Red Carrot. You know, whenever I try to red read carrot. something on this, it's just like the last episode. I try to read a quote and I screw it up. I mean, come on, Scott. Get, get together things. Maybe I should be drinking drum. I don't think they're called carrot heads anymore. I think it's... uh, Gingers. Gingers. But I was trying to say that... And this is the quote. God, I can't believe I can't even read anymore. God, it's just... That's Chardonnay. Yeah. need to have some rum in here. They say... if This is round two now. If this is the case, there's almost no doubt that it will be the red character from Disney's theme parks who will be the focus. It would be great to return the story to the theme park setting, but we would still want the writers to include Jack. That yeah, was from I Inside agree. the Magic. I totally agree. Um, I'm kind of excited about a red character, though. Well, it could be interesting. And 
because it's not entirely clear if this next film will be a continuation of the Jack story or if it's going to be a reboot. So we're going to have to wait and see. But, I kind of hope it's a continuation. Well, Maybe they that's... make Red like, I mean, it's kind of, uh, you know, with the last movie. Uh, but still, maybe if they make Red like Jack's daughter or I don't know if they want something. Oh. I don't know. You know, I don't know if they want to do that because Barbosa's daughter. Yeah, that's what that's I'm saying. Weird. Some of it gets too but relationship. I'm kind of excited about the the Red character. It could be good, but I'm glad Jack's still going to be in it because Jack is such a integral Part. character in the movies. You know, he's I agree. He's just he makes. I could see Red. Makes they pirates. need to have a good transition. That's the thing. Yeah. And I haven't been entirely satisfied with some of the transitions they've tried before. There's been the whole on Stranger Tides thing where they try to get the other guy kind of some of the main shot with the mermaid thing. And then there's Henry and Karina. They try to set them up for some of this stuff. And I don't think that materialized very well. And the Daily Mail, though, reported today as well. And today, by today, we're recording (laughs) that the return of Jack Sparrow is something that looks like it's happening because they say the recent turn of events in Depp's legal battle and the overwhelming support from the public in his favor has some on the Mouse House executives now lobbying for his return behind the scenes. So even Disney executives are starting to go, eh, maybe we should bring him back. That's because Pirates is Jack. Well, I think that's what they're realizing. When they see all the people do petitions and talking about it, it's... Pirates of the Caribbean is Jack Sparrow. Well, they have to make that transition work they can't just leave it hanging there yeah but anyways i mean it appears that things might be getting back on track for the moment and it's going to be interesting to see what actually materializes but with any of this stuff it can change with the wind oh yeah i mean my guess is disney's not going to let this multi-billion dollar franchise just like dissipate especially with the new streaming platform disney plus well, that and they have the theme park, you know, the attraction at the theme park. What? And stuff. They have a theme park? Oh my God, I got to go there. <laughs> the attraction at the theme park, and, you know, it's theme just. Theme parks. Yes. Pirates of the Caribbean is just a huge Disney thing. Well, I agree. And everybody wants to be a pirate. <laughs> that is true. Everybody <laughs> does want to be a pirate. Those, at least once in their life. Pirate drinking Chardonnay types. <laughs> That just doesn't sound right. Oh, it's right. (laughs) But like I said on the last episode, nothing is going to surprise me as to what the next movie is or series or both. And of course, the big shocker that happened this past week since our last episode is the man who may uh, be the second most important person in the history of Disney behind only Walt Disney himself is stepping down. Bob Iger, CEO, Disney. Is that the dude who's taken over since forever? And raise the price of Disney. <laughs> so that's where you're coming to. The immediate <laughs> shot is, oh yeah, he's the one who stiffed everybody with by well, raising the price. How dare you? I mean, honestly, after everything well, he's done for Disney, how you dare know, you do that? I'm sorry, but I'm not going to go on a Disneyland tangent. I've decided not to. Never mind. You can't blast just, Disney when they're being so kind to us. Letting us do this podcast. Now serving us a cease and desist order. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll let it be. Yeah, there you go. I mean, I don't know, like, I don't want to say too much right now about Bob Iger stepping down as CEO of the Walt Disney Company, which was effective immediately. And then really? this other guy. Yeah. So Bob Chapik or Chapek, Chapik, maybe. Another Bob? Yeah. You have to be Bob. Maybe to they be need to get another Walt. <laughs> that's true. But Bob did fairly well. I think he did really good. I That's just my opinion. Under his, for a business? Come on. Are you kidding me? Oh, I don't think. Me, don't make me happy. Don't, I don't know what's going to happen. Don't make me just I, explode you, here. Marvel, these acquired no, Marvel, I, I get it. Star I get it. Wars. Disney is Come everything. On. Disney yeah. is like PG&E. What? Walk the plank. Burning down the country? <laughs> How dare you? Get the hell out no, of here. It's a one, one-stop shop. PG&E is a one-stop shop. This it's your only option. Brought to you by PG&E Chardonnay. Ah, it's so electric. God. Anyways, the new guy, Bob. Recently served as chairman of Disney Parks, the experiences and products side of things. And so in the words of Bob Iger, I'll just leave it with a quote. People still love a good story, and I don't think that will change. So did admission to PG or to PG to Disneyland go up after the new Bob? Because it, it just, just recently happened. It just happened up. this year. Or just last yeah. week. It, or 
Yeah, Sunday. So last week. Okay, Disneyland just raised their rates like. That was his parting gift to the world. Yeah. How dare you look a gift horse in the mouth? Yeah. <laughs> Rude. You sullied Bob Iger's good name. Just with all of your hatred there for some reason. I just don't, you know. He's been good for Disney. I, he really I understand has been. that. I mean, they've acquired so much. But Disneyland, you're supposed to be able to bring your, it's supposed to be a place to bring your family. Yeah. So, you, okay. So you're talking the price of Disneyland. The price of Disneyland. Well, yeah, that's a different There's argument. no way a normal family can bring their family to Disneyland anymore. Well, that's true. Because it costs too damn much. You gotta, you gotta save, I guess. Yeah. But Once in a lifetime van- are we, do vacation. Do we sure we want to go down this road right no, now? No, I'm done. I told yeah. you I didn't want to do that tangent, but it just kept coming. Man, you are really fired up for this. And I was just trying to say an ode to Bob since we're doing Bob, a you did a great thing. thing. Thank you. Just leave it at that. Let's call it good. You now have Marvel. You have Star Wars. Star Wars. You have so much. Pixar, all of that. Yeah. There you go. Great thing. Okay, so now... And I love my Disney stock. So there you go. What a blatant brown-nosing attempt there. (laughs) you have a Pirate Word of the Week, let's get out of this conversation. (laughs) Ahoy there, scallywags. Pirate Word of the Week in five, four, three, two, yarr. All hand hoy! All hand hoy. Yep. You got it? All hand hoy. What do you think? I have no idea on this. Everyone get on deck. All, all hand. hand hoy. Just all hand, not all hands hoy? Nope, just all hand hoy. That's weird. Okay, maybe it's easier to roll off the tongue. All hand hoy. It almost... Now, I bet you I the S this, comes in, all hands hoy. I'm just going to say this. It sounds like you're almost, and I, I don't know if I should even say this. It almost sounds like some kind of 1950s... God, I shouldn't probably say this. Going down the stereotype of Chinese food talk here. Scott! I'm not, this no. is not a place you need to go. I didn't say that. I, I'm just saying the way you said that, it that's made the, it sound like that's that. That's the way I found it on... There's websites you can go to. You know, this is where I find some of my word of the week. That's why I was... And it's pirate speak. I didn't say that okay? I should be doing And I this. found it on a pirate speak website. Now, I don't know where this pirate speak website came from. Maybe it was the Mideast. I don't know. I'm just saying... It sounds like something, Americanized version of it, say, that you're, I'll take an order of, you know, when because chop suey is always the famous 50s, 60s dish a, for Chinese food. What are you talking about? There's a chop suey in Napa. I'm just saying that that's always the, the thing that comes up. If you would like watch Andy Griffith show or all these old hey, shows. Yeah, chop from suey. The, chop suey is always the thing that they talk about. There's nothing else on the menu, but they'll talk about chop suey. <laughs> And I have yet to if, if you experience like a, chop suey. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> but it sounds like you're ordering some chop suey, and you're going to take a side of what did you say? All hand hoy. All hand hoy. <laughs> now tell me, and I wasn't being. I I preface this that I shouldn't go here, and it was just a, a weird '50s stereotype kind of thing. So maybe we should just pretend like that didn't happen. But that's <laughs> just what came. That's what happens when you get on the Bob Iger thing. Then I immediately start to think that's of Chinese food. That's what happens when you drink Chardonnay for a I don't Pirates know. Now I'm going to be blasted. Send all your hate mail to Heather. There we go. I don't want the hate mail on that one. I didn't say that that's... I'm just saying that it kind of sounds like Chinese food. <laughs> like chop suey. Yeah. Man, this is not starting off good. <laughs> There's only one thing to do. In the previous minutes... Listener Adam Liebrick Johnson gets a taste of and falls in love with the Flying Dutchman's triple cannons. The fleeing Black Pearl appears to still be the fastest ship in the world. The Kraken is about to be summoned. And just when you think that things aren't going hard to the euphemism starboard, Gibbs gets stuck on Jack's sword. (laughs) Yeah, so true. That's awesome. (laughs) Minute 124 begins with the continued prematurely celebrating Black Pearl cruise. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta stop lag. I gotta get through this. Sparrow's approached by Will Turner saying, My father's on that ship. If we can outrun her, we can take her. We should turn and fight. Sparrow replies, Why fight when we can negotiate? All one needs is the proper leverage. See, I said it proper there leverage, not leverage. 
as he taps his fingers on the jar of dirt. Minute 125 ends with action as the Pearl's cannons pummel the tentacles of the Kraken. The crew begins to celebrate as the beast appears to retreat into the depths as the wounded tentacles slip into the water. Will wants to fight the Dutchman. Now, we've gone over the cannon and the, you know, what the Pearl has compared to other ships. Obviously, here, the Dutchman has more cannon power than the Pearl. Well, that's correct. But I think what we're looking at here is if you can outrun and maneuver the other ship, then you have the advantage. And he made a promise to his dad. That's basically what's going on here. He doesn't want to leave his dad behind. And so that's where all this is stemming from. Yeah. And this is what... I didn't mention the last time, but clicks in the previous minutes is when Will sees it. Wow, we're outrunning this thing. It's we're faster than the Dutchman. And so it's like, yeah, now I can live up my promise or uh, fulfill my promise or save my dad kind of thing. Not let him go down with that. But there's a number of great elements in these two minutes, actually. Beyond just the visuals. And I, I think it's safe to say they almost always deliver and mostly hold up. Because the tentacles attaching to the Black Pearl, I mean, we get some creative perspectives from this. <laughs> it's like from the underwater part, part yeah. of it, there's surface of the water to above the water. We're looking at the ship from, you know, from the ocean view, I guess. And then we're seeing the tentacles as well through the gun port. Uh, I'm going to, we've said it so many times with even um, Cursed of the Black Pearl and this movie. The water shots are just amazing. I think that, yeah, absolutely they are good. That, amazing, that's what sets them and apart they just other things, they keep sure. hitting them over and over, and it's just amazing. And seeing this cracking come from underneath the water to above the water is just their water shots are just. Yeah, I love they, them. We should actually look up who the underwater cameraman is. Yeah, we haven't really talked. It, about they're just him amazing, before. and the and the dresses in the water, and the you know, it's just amazing water shots. Well, I'm going to jump around here for a second because these kind of suction cups thing, the moving over the cannon, the gun port, it it has like this ominous feel. And I think that's the million dollar shot, not just because of the visual aspect of it, but it it kind of accentuates the, the sound effects. The crew does this kind of super great job of all of a sudden everything goes quiet. It's like nervous. They're jumpy. They're waiting for their orders to fire. Then there's obviously the tension of impending doom. I mean, well, that, of course, that can create. <laughs> I think that's some overall. <laughs> uh, even Rigetti gets spooked when Will speaks because he's like so focused, and then Will comes in and breaks the silence. It gives a uh, Rigetti a jump there. Well, it ends up going all dark under the. Well, that is also another cool aspect of it. It does. We do it see ends the up light just shift. being completely yeah. dark. But this is so reminiscent of kind of the all silent on a submarine aspect of things. Because the the pressure of the ocean, the creaking of the hull. I mean, we're waiting for the ship to pass overhead, you know, so they don't drop depth charges on us. That's exactly where we got going on here. The moment before the storm hits, it's all quiet. The creepy, slimy tentacle sounds just kind of gross you out. It, it really, like, injects the viewer with the heebie-jeebies. Let's just say that. <laughs> call it the heebie-jeebies. I mean, it's, it's like this idea that we're feeling what the crew is feeling. Yeah. And I just want to say it's almost like a slow clap moment for the movie or these minutes is that we're seeing this. This is, I think, a spectacular part here. My favorite part of these two minutes is actually the Kraken. When the Kraken's going over the cannon that Pentel and Rigetti are at. Uh-huh. He actually suctions to the front of that cannon and then moves up and along that yeah. way. But his then after that, his suctions kind of go around that cannon. That's my favorite part of that minute kinda for gives some me odd a, reason. I get a visual or a rehatch of, hatch, rehash of that uh, movie Evolution with David Duchovny. Oh. That <laughs> bottom of that weirdo beast. If you haven't seen that, that thing's disgusting. <laughs> Like they, they climb up into the cloaca, let's just call it that. But that's what I get at first. And I was all oh. <laughs> I do have a little little information on the Kraken. Okay. Um the Kraken was actually very difficult to animate. Uh-huh. Um, as it there was no real life reference for it. What? There's no Kraken? I guess not. <laughs> Until the um animation director Hal T. Hickle instructed the crew to watch. Why did you hit the note like that? I don't know. Hickle? <laughs> Hal Hickle. Hickle. Oh, excuse me. Excuse me there. 
He instructed the crew to watch King Can King, King, King Canyon. Can Man, we are on a roll today. <laughs> Brought to you by Chardonnay. King Kong versus Godzilla, the nineteen sixty two version. I've seen it. I'm sure you have. Oh yeah. Probably multiple times. That is true. Um, it actually had a real octopus crawling over miniatures, hmm. which gave them the idea for the Kraken. Or oh. gave them idea for animation of the Kraken. Oh. Oh, that's awesome. And I think they did a great job with this Kraken. I think it's good. He he is just, even when he's out of the water and you see his skin and his tentacles, he is just so neat looking. Mm -hmm. You know, they really did a wonderful job with him. And I think I may be going over another quote. I don't know if we did this before, but there was something worth revisiting. Is John Knowles, who is the visual effects supervisor. Yeah. He said that the Kraken sequences, and this builds off what you were saying, were extensively pre-visualized and were literally shooting specific pieces to conform to that animate kind of animatic blueprint that you were just talking about. Oh, okay. Uh, because the Kraken scenes are technically very complex because there's a lot of interaction with water and we see shots looking down the hole of the ship uh, with a dozen tentacles swarming around. You know, they're picking off later on, picking off characters of the ship and uh, or off the You deck. just screwed it up. Well, I had to bring the How quote. This is all part this? of it. I mean, it's like putting the composites together are very difficult. And every shot, he said, takes months of effort. But since we're still talking Kraken scene stuff here, do you know what's better than the Kraken that we see going on? Is there anything that's better? In these two minutes? Than the yeah, Kraken? I'm just asking. Than the Kraken scene here. Oh, <laughs> uh, when Gibbs grabs Elizabeth? No, they're not going there yet. <laughs> <laughs> and that's whoa or, moment. You can't just say grab somebody. No, I'm talking about or when when uh, <laughs> when Johnny or Johnny. It's not Johnny when Jack kind of pops in the scene and then kind of ducks out of yeah, scene. Yeah, I have something for and that too. And then you don't too. see him anymore no, in the two minutes. Not talking about that. I'm talking about the real life arms of these cephalopod beast. That's what's better than the crack in action in the movie because they're actually called suckers. I just wanted to make sure we we're actually calling them not suction cups. But they are the kind I of said suction, cups? suction cup kind of things. It's, they're really extraordinary. They can move and grasp objects independently. They can taste the water around them. They can form a seal on rough surfaces underwater. And I think really what we're talking about is you can't do battle with Krakens is the moral of the tale because they are incredibly strong, especially considering their tissue is similar in softness to jellyfish. Those, you know. Gelatinous Nadarians. Okay, are you talking about actual Krakens? I'm talking about octopus that are Oc kind of like Okay, Krakens. thank you. It's the same premise for the suction cup, and you yes. just said that they did it based off the octopus in King Kong. Yeah. Okay, so a 2014 study took a look at how they actually pull off this feat of strength with their suckers. Uh-huh. And it was already known that the sucker shape and flexibility allowed them to create a seal to grab onto surfaces. However, they were... Able to keep a grip on uneven surfaces that seem like they should break the seal. That it couldn't really hold on each to Each little suction cup? Yeah, each suction cup. And so upon closer inspection, the scientists found these concentric grooves all along the edges of each sucker. And these grooves create individual low-pressure seals. And so together, these grooves can make up for any lost pressure on the primary seal while grasping a rough surface. Really? So it's like they have a backup plan. Huh. The primary seal breaks are still like individual seals all the way around because each one has a groove. They have grooves all the concentric around each sucker. That's crazy. It is crazy. And you know what all of this means? Because this is where it gets crazy bizarre. I said, are you ready for it? I'm basically. ready. Some octopuses have... Octopuses? Octopi? Octopu octopuses? I think octopi. it's just octopus. Octopus. I think it, that's... Yeah. I should know this, but for some reason it's escaping me. It must be the octopus crack and rum I'm dreaming octopus. about. Anyways, they have suction strength powerful enough to tear human flesh. No way. Not all of them. Okay. No, I'm not, not, I'm not talking okay. all of them, but some of them do have enough power to tear human flesh. And now, it gets even worse. Oh, what? Not like the ones we've seen in Hawaii, right? Those tiny ones? Those no, little I'm ones are like, ones. Bigger they're ones. like, what, a couple feet long, maybe? Bigger ones. Okay, bigger ones. Bigger like ones. the giant octopus. Yeah. Okay. But even the giant octopus is not all that giant. Just hold your horses here. Hold your. Suckers, if you want, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I don't know what that means. I don't Best either, but that's kind of weird. Everybody hold your suckers out there. Anyways, some species have been observed lifting as much as 40 times their own body weight. And larger species are known for snapping the spines of shark. 
Really? Yes. Like the giant octopus? Yes. The giant Pacific octopus can lift at least 35 pounds with one freaking sucker. No way. I just told you. That's way. That is crazy. What is this? Like the... (laughs) That's like lifted cricket. What is is that show with Keanu Reeves and uh, Bill and Ted's? This is like the Bill and Ted's hour here? Way. No way, dude. What is going on here? Half the people want to listen to our episode, our thing, won't even know what this is. Podcast. They already know. Won't even know what Bill Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure is. Well, everybody knows what Bill and Ted's is. I don't think so. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. I wish I had the guitar noise. There there is a commercial. Well, because they're creating a new Bill and Ted's. Oh, really? Yes. With the same characters? Yes. Really? Yes. Oh, that's awesome. So there you go. But that's exciting. Way is the answer to your question of lifting 35 pounds with a single sucker and what makes that even more amazing are you okay over there? i can lift 35 pounds with a single sucker it just sounds it just sounds you weird. can't lift 35 pounds with a single arm that's all i have to say really yeah i'll prove it to you we're not this is on the air for one thing you can't prove anything cricket come here and i'm trying to say cricket's our dog by the way <laughs> he's being very quiet in the studio but what I was trying to say is this is amazing considering that the Pacific, giant Pacific octopus averages 33 pounds in weight itself. No. Yes. Way, dude. <laughs> I didn't say way. <laughs> <laughs> Although the largest ever scientifically documented got up to 156 pounds. But they oh, average wow. around 35, 40 pounds. So how big are how lot. long are they? I don't remember how long they are. You'll have to look that I'll up. I'll have to some, research just some a second. On air research. But while you do that, I'll keep going here. Because as we discussed previously in getting back to the Kraken mythos here, the overall length of the Kraken has been... And this is actually good that you're bringing this up so I can talk about the Kraken. You can look up at the length and dimensions of a giant Pacific octopus. But I'll tell you that the Kraken, and I think I may have talked about this before, but I'll just revisit it and uh, remind everybody, has been depicted as similar to the length of 10 ships, which be about 1,400 feet in total length. And its body resembles a massive cuddle-like, cuddle-like, cuddlefish-like <laughs> cephalopod with a long, sharp tail similar to a squid. But in the film zone, these pirate films, it's represented as a much smaller creature, approximately the size of the black pearl itself. Yeah. With a whale-like tail. And even though the suckers of this kraken could definitely rip your face off, imagine one just sucks right onto your face. You're going to be faceless, is what I'm saying. Even if it's not 1,400 feet long. You're going to have no face. So ripping the flesh off of you, yeah, Kraken can do that. Well, this thing right here, okay, this is National Geographic. It says the giant octopus grows bigger than, bigger and lives longer than any other octopus species. The size is around, a rec, jeez, I can't talk. The size record is held by a specimen that was 40 feet across and weighed more than 600 pounds. For a giant Pacific octopus? No way. That's what it says. I'm going to have to verify that. Averages are more like 16 feet and 110 pounds. How is that possible? When I was just read up on my research, it said like 40 Well, pounds. this was the record. Oh, records. Record. But average is 16 feet and 110 pounds. That's still bigger than the average that I was given. That's pretty big then. What did you look at? This is National no Geographic. I mean... I think I was on Scientific American. Come on. Maybe the data has been updated since my research took place. Maybe I was looking at old (laughs) old research. Maybe it was old research. I don't know. Maybe. Now we're going to have to look it up. I just did. Okay. Maybe we'll go with that. Anyways, I don't know where I was at now. (laughs) Big octopus. Let's just call it that. Okay. Because I think that's why Gibbs tells the crew to defend the mass. Because if the Kraken is about to attack... It would be imperative to keep it from breaking the mast and leaving the pearl dead in the water. Because if a regular octopus can break the spine of a shark, then the mast is nothing to break for the kraken. It'd be easy to do. Right. Well, we've seen it crush ships, so there yeah. we go. So I guess the mast is the least of your worries. Although Gibbs has never seen the destruction of another ship by the kraken. No, he hasn't. Will has. Yeah, that's why Will was the one to jump on. And things. I'm sure Jack has. I imagine Jack has. I'm trying to possibly. Think. I don't know. But wait a minute. When they dropped, when they wait, when they dropped Will off at the ship that was cracked in half, 
to wait for Davy Jones, then everybody actually seen the yeah, but they destruction didn't know that probably the that, did. that was the Kraken but that Jack did that. Did. did they know that the Kraken actually did that? I don't know if they did. I'd Maybe have to Jack did. That. Possibly. Everybody else probably didn't, but Jack may have. Because Jack... Yeah, but we're not talking about Jack here. We're talking about Gibbs and the other crew. Yeah, but I'm just saying Jack may have. I don't know. We'd have to think about that. But that's... I think we can get back to kind of on track because this is stuff that happens towards the end of the minutes, not necessarily in the beginning of the minutes. But I can set the stage and then we can get caught up in some of the background here. Because is it me or does Will look like he's not really on board with the jarred dirt stuff? It's like the jarred dirt. Come on. It's a damn jarred dirt, Jack. It's actually such a kind of a play on this idea of this mythical reality from my perspective. Because even in a world of Krakens, you got skeleton curses, Davy Jones. The jarred dirt is like a savior that's too far out of bounds, even for him, like a level-headed will to believe in. That's what I love about it. Of everything, everything that we've witnessed in these movies, the universe is turned upside down with what's possible, right? Believing yeah. in the leverage of a, or leverage, of a jarred dirt is too fantastical. That's what is out of bounds. I've seen a Kraken. But come on, a jar of dirt saving us? Get out of here with that. <laughs> but it works. I mean, because the beauty of Gore Verbinski's direction is that we're all wrapped into this mythos reality here. And even for the audience, we're on the same page as Will. We look at Sparrow as a crazy, kind of superstitious one. Plus, we're also in the know that Norrington absconded with Davy's heart. It's a good setup. But yeah. we're, not, we're like Will in this. We're like, Jack, come on, why are you believing in a jar of dirt? When we're also going... Yeah, I buy that there's a Kraken out there. <laughs> that's, that's weird. It's like we set that like, that's unbelievable. But this other stuff is okay. <laughs> that's what's always weird. It's so weird how we just get wrapped into the world. I think that's the what good filmmaking does. Yeah. Is it sets the, the bar, the stage, the rules of what happens in a particular universe. And once we buy those rules, then it's easy to believe that something is superstitious or not superstitious reality not reality that kind of stuff yeah i find it interesting under all this stress and everything that's going on and jack is still calling the heart a thump thump and not a heart yeah it's a he's <laughs> all his like weird lingo where's the thump thump yeah really jack really you're using thump thump for a heart Sometimes Jack is so simple. Simple Jack. It's yeah. <laughs> a good way to put it. He's simple Jack. I had a few other general observations. Uh, maybe I'll go with this one. Uh, You're not going to tell us them all. I don't know. Maybe. But Jack keeps doubling down on the there's no iron team kind of thing. Because he's only concerned about the jar, the missing heart, and obviously himself. Well, that's, that's kind of the motif that he has. Jack is always concerned about himself first before anybody else. Well, that's true. And and that's what you brought up in earlier. He does the exit stage left routine, you know, like. Well, yeah. It's, things I are have, going down, exit stage left, and you get the hell out of there. I have that in my notes later on. But, um, you know, you see Jack come up and then it's like, oh, he's gone. And then you never see him again in the rest of the minute. Yeah, because everyone is prepping for Kraken battle, and he's playing the I'm out of here card. Yeah. And I take kind of note that supposedly the Beast destroyed all the longboats, and I stress supposedly. But that's kind of where uh, we're left as an audience. That's where we're left as an audience. Right? I, I, well, I was watching it slow-mo. I'm just saying, and even Elizabeth you says that. still alive. Elizabeth, or is it Will that says that, that the, the longboats are destroyed? Nobody says anything in this minute, by the way. About the longboats being minutes. destroyed? No. Oh, am I thinking of the next minutes? You're blowing things again. I just am all over the There's place. There's nothing about the longboats But you see the longboats destroyed. Yeah, but you still see one available. There's still one alive. Is there? Yeah. I have to relook. Yep. But that that's kind of the general consensus. But we're not so. talking about longboats yet. I'm just saying that... Jack exits stage left. That's all I'm trying to get at. <laughs> you it's, seem to be giving stuff up for the next... I just, I'm all... I said I was all over the place. <laughs> but he's also not concerned about the crew. Because... No. And his leverage that's... gives Will the chance to step up. And this is kind of like a repeat in the last minutes where Elizabeth made the calls. Kind of like, hey, let's get going here. Yeah. And I have something to say about Will stepping up. Well, it's almost like it's a free-for-all. Will and Elizabeth are the captain duo. It's so weird because Will has never fought a fight before on the water. 
Yeah, but he's seen the Kraken take action. I before. get that, but but nobody else. But that's the sit thing. There nobody and say, else hold, knows. hold. You know, and then it just is. It's just kind of odd that he's directing this thing when he's never actually. But I think he saw, he knows the how the Kraken operates, and yeah. he saw that before that it comes up and it grabs the ship. So he knows that hey, the Kraken's tentacles are going to come up. If we open the gun ports, we can maybe blast some arms here. Yeah. So I think that's what he's doing. He's waiting for the the arms to have, and this is my thought, he's waiting for the arms to be at like maximum extension length. That way you're hitting them closer to the body and maybe rendering the arms more useless than if you just hit the tips of them. Yeah. That's my strategy. Hey, we see LeJohn in here. I think we've talked about LeJohn before. We do He's actually the guy who says we must uh, have... We must have hit a reef. That's right. Sorry, yeah. my notes are all screwed up. <laughs> yeah, so... According- I think he's all wrong here. Well, obviously he's wrong. <laughs> That's true. Uh, several online sources, and we talked about Lejean in the past, is that he appeared in Curse of the Black Pearl. And this, according to the Pirates Wikia, they say it was later proven false and because actor Gerard Reyes who portrayed a Motley Crewman Tierlack in the first film, stated that Lejean O'Stewart was not part of the film. So if we mentioned him as part of the Motley Crew in season one, this is probably a correction years oh, later, okay. but maybe. But I will say he still appears as credits on the IMDb page for Curse of the Black Pearl. And Lejean, because he only goes by Lejean now, not his last name. It's like a share thing or a rock or whatever other ones are out there like that now. Madonna. Yeah, but there's a lot of new ones. It's not like it used to be, is what I'm saying. Now everybody's first name only. But it's funny enough, given our recent conversations, though, because he plays a henchman in an upcoming movie called Baby Doll. I just thought that was interesting. Oh, really? But he's the infamous actor we talked about on episode eight or something in season two. And I believe it was way back then at the beginning anyways. He's the one who had all those unique character names like Crazy Afro Guy or Mustard Face. That's Lejean. <laughs> That's this guy, okay? And you can revisit that if you want to hear all those names again. I'm not going to go over them. And I mean to to kind of check out the Curse of the Black Pearl credits to see if he actually shows up on the, you know, the lists there. Yeah. In this uh, kind of debate for once and for all. But I'm not sure I'm trusting all these different accounts of he's here, he's not there, he's in the first film, he's not in the first film. That's kind of where I was at with that. Did you notice the uh, sword umbrella holder? Did you notice that? I don't <laughs> yeah, know I had a whole bunch of swords in it. Will yeah. pulled one out. I don't know what it's called, though. A sword umbrella holder. <laughs> Will is telling everyone to go kind of arm up, get ready, and he pulls a sword from this canister, right? It doesn't seem like it really should be there. Well, like a real thing. I think it's a good idea, though, because yeah, but... you're a pirate. Having those placed strategically around a ship is, I think, a good idea. It might come in but, handy as a pirate. But it wouldn't be a small, like, umbrella holder. It would be, like, a rum barrel. Or a rack. I don't yeah, know just, something it wouldn't be like. I, I mean, that was seriously an umbrella. I need to do some more thing. research on this to find out, you know, why there's a, a little canister of swords here. I mean, maybe that's why they have the sword canisters. Is it because of the Gibbs incident? Gibbs gets caught up in Jack's sword in the last minute. <laughs> now there's a holder for them because it's like, hey, once you get caught up on a dude's sword by accident, you don't want to make that mistake again. So. I bet they cut out the HR meeting that happened right before these minutes. But the final solution is we should probably have a canister of swords around here. So we're not just having to carry our stuff around. Keep your swords. It just seems put small up. Don't just let your size. swords dangle around. That's the whole problem because people get caught up in them. That's the moral of the story. Yeah. And I know you had something that you wanted to talk about too um, since we're talking just kind of observations. The uh, Gibbs and Elizabeth incident. Oh, yes. In the very beginning of this minute, you see Gibbs grab Elizabeth. And Elizabeth looks at him like, what the hell are you doing? Right? And then it ends up being she she ends up laughing and stuff. But she still looks uncomfortable in the situation. Yeah, there's an awkward It's a weird embrace thing. thing. There was like, this wasn't planned. You know, it couldn't have been planned. She must not have known he was going to grab her. Because the her looks on her face are like, what is going on? 
There's yeah. no way he she knew it was going to happen. She almost looks like she's going to break character to laugh there. Yeah, and she does I, this weird smirk, laugh, she, smile. In the beginning, she's looking at him like, "What the heck?" And then she kind of smiles and does this weird thing. But it was like, "There's no way this was in, this was supposed to happen." I don't know what's going on there. I think they pro- he probably improvised that. Yeah, and took her it off had guard. To be. They're yeah. like, "Crew, do some stuff because of everything going on." And then in the background, you see this and you're like, what is going on there? Because even does, she looks caught off guard. Even after he lets go of her, she still's got she still has this weird look on her face. Like, what just happened there? You know, almost uncomfortable. You can see her body posture is kind of more in, you know, like you're going to, you know, more in. And I don't know. It sounds like an accusation is, over there. Are you accusing Gibbs of something? I don't know. I think Elizabeth was. Because just like you wanted a cop a hug. It or was just or what? A, it was just a whole weird thing because you know I I go through the minutes, I go through them multiple times, right? And the, one of the times I go through, I watch it in slow motion, so that I can see you know more detail and things I may have missed when it's going regular. And <laughs> I was watching this whole scene where he's hugging her and then he lets go, and just her expressions and her body posture is just not like she was not expecting this at all. We may have to pose this in the Facebook group, the Cursed Listeners Crew group. I don't know. Maybe I'll have to do a clip or post a clip or something or some stills or maybe reference it. Then that way, we maybe we could take a poll or get a consensus of what people think. It was almost like she was thinking he was a dirty old man. Oh! But Gibbs seems to me like the nicest man in the world. That's what I'm saying. You, know you what just I mean? called Gibbs a dirty old man? No, I love Gibbs. I think Gibbs is just the nicest old man in the world. I'd love to meet him in person. But the look that's on her face and the way she reacts to it, it's like he's a dirty old man. <laughs> but again, she was young. She was, what, 19 when they filmed this or something like that? Uh, Super she'd young. She'd probably been older, older for this one. Then. She was 17 when they filmed. Oh, yeah. So she would have been close that yeah yeah, when they, yeah you're so right. she was super young so i don't know but it was unless elizabeth is just not used to people hugging her now we're going into psychology you know, I don't, well you know that's kind of my background here but you know so i don't know professional psychology you got that right uh like i'm not sure cartoon? what was going on but it was kind of a weird whole weird situation and i don't think it was actually supposed to happen it was just improvised. But I can't believe you dropped the dirty old man card. That's what her look on her face looked like. I, for one, am not claiming Gibbs to be a dirty old man. But since we're talking about awesome sounds, not awesome accusations, I did forget to mention the music. And it's officially called Kraken Attaches to Black Pearl. And it comes in at a solid 1 minute, 18 seconds. It can be easy to miss, though, because with all the sound effects happening in these couple of minutes... It starts off as an undercurrent and then builds kind of to this. Well, it, it builds up until we hit to this, the silence of the of the crew. Of and the everything lambs? goes silent. Yeah, silence of the lands. There's no cannibalism here. <laughs> I like how you brought that up again, though. But it was composed by Hans Zimmer and Lauren Balf. Or Balfe. Balf. I'll go Balf. Lauren is a Scottish composer and producer of film, television, video, game, scores, all that kind of stuff. And as you may have guessed, was a veteran of Hans Zimmer's remote control productions as we see that he got help with this particular piece. And I on did Man's guess Chat. that. How did you know? I knew you would. But he's all over the place with notable Depp movies, and I'm not going to list off all of Notable what? Stuff. Depp movies. Johnny Depp movies. Oh, that's what I thought you said, but it didn't seem like Depp. that's what you're supposed Johnny to be saying. Depp. No, that's what I, I said. I got it. I meant it. Because he also did work on Rango, At World's End, and The Lone Ranger. Oh, okay. And... Him and so him and Depp are actually buddies. What kind of craziness? Who drops something <laughs> stupid like that? <laughs> you got him riled up because you were sneezing. Well, nobody heard that, and then you drop the idiot buddies thing like they're closely working together. <laughs> just comment that doesn't make any sense. It does because and then my face explodes literally. So I got yeah. Let's just say. I needed a Kleenex. God. <laughs> if they've been working together with all these different movies. Well, not working together. But yeah, that's what together. you made it sound like. They're just there. It's like the seven degrees of Kevin Bacon thing that happened 20 years ago. It's not that they were actually together there. I mean, my God, it's not like they're in a room. He like turns, 
hey, Lauren, how did that take go? No, this guy's way off in the distance doing music. <laughs> and you drop something stupid like that. Right when we're just rounding things out. <laughs> and partly I think this is Chardonnay. And partly I think that this is Dreaming of Rum. And then it's just the weird comment. Gosh, dang it. Now we have like all those minutes of laughing. It just doesn't make any sense. But before we get out of here... There's also a reference to the Kraken in Terry Rossio's original script of Dead Men Tell No Tales. You know, number five movie. Yeah. Because you were trying to figure that out. Because the idea was Jack Sparrow finds a tiny and cute baby octopus in the Caribbean. Right? Tiny and cute. That's what it says. That's what is in this. Okay. Okay. And it's mistaken for a giant Kraken at first. Okay. The tiny and cute one? Yeah, the tiny and cute one. Okay. For the scene, though, the Kraken's musical theme from Dead Man's Chest was going to be played. But in the finished film, the Krakens were only mentioned by Karina Smith and Henry Turner. Okay? So there's a mention of it, but it never actually materializes. Did John Johnny get scared? Did Jack get scared for the... Because of the Kraken? The baby Kraken? Well, He's all, oh my God, this is yeah, going to be a said, big one. said that... I mean, it's... That was pretty much what it says, is that he mistakes it for a giant kraken at first and then doesn't. I was just bringing it in because there's a kraken tie-in to the other movies. At least that there's a reference to the lore of the kraken that happens in the mythology. So in the very last end of this minute, since I think you're pretty much wrapped up, the very end of this minute they say, or they're all celebrating because they defeated the kraken. Prematurely. This was... What are you spoiling things for? Oh, okay. That's my guess. That was such an easy fight. It was an easy fight. <laughs> a couple cannonballs. You get rid of a couple legs. The yeah, Kraken's defeated. Maybe, maybe they thought that they shot up its arms. He was going to flee and nurse his wounds. Maybe. Possibly. Maybe they're like, oh, the Kraken is going to go away and come back and dead men tell no tales. And Henry and Karina could talk about the Kraken. Or actually have it in movies that they would be in. Really? And then it turns out, no, those were just rumors. Henry and Karina are vanished from Pirates of the Caribbean 6 talks. All that set up, poof, they're gone. And then we get an end credit that's more of a cliffhanger. The the original cast repercussions and Henry and Karina have just been uh, swept into Vanished. the ocean of, of uh, Pirates of the Caribbean lore. Because Red is now taking over. Poor Henry and Karina. There you go. Years into the future, pirates will prevail. Finally, we've conquered death. All our worries gone. Every night, our souls will rest till the break of dawn. And the ship sails on back into beyond, over again. When I sing the song, this is my home. Until the end, centuries across the sea is not enough for me. All I want is to be free and hail Captain Blood. On and on eternally With life of piracy Hail the curse of Gilmackie And hail Captain Blood Maybe they think they actually defeated the Kraken by chopping off his legs. Well, you think that that hurt a bit. It hurt. Yeah, I think we all know that. They celebrate. Like he's gone. You're right, just like they celebrated getting away from the Dutchman. Yeah. Two premature celebrations. At one time, you would think you insert your own euphemism. Now, Jack has dealt with um, Davy Jones before. Yeah, you'd think Jack would know more about Davy Jones's ways than he, he actually does. That's why he oh, exited stage left. Well, in the beginning of this minute, you know, I had a note and I forgot to say it. Um, it's Will and Jack actually talking together. You look on Will's, or you look on Jack's face, and Jack is like, he doesn't show the relief that they got away from Davy Jones. You know, he still shows that, yeah, we got away from the ship, but maybe something else is coming, you know? That's what I'm saying. He, he just he doesn't that. show that confidence of we're good to go. Yeah, he knows what's happening. He knows that there's no escape here. Yeah. I think that's what's going on. I think Will is completely on top of this. Jack just wants out of this whole situation. Will is thinking about the crew, probably more specifically Elizabeth, and his, wants to, to take down the Kraken and Davy Jones and get his father. I think that's where we're at. Well, yeah, his, Will's in the mindset of he needs to protect two people here. I think he, he also cares about the crew. Elizabeth, and he needs... Yeah, but his main goal is his father and Elizabeth. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's what he needs to take care of at this current moment. 
the crew, yeah, he needs to, you know, take care of them too. But he needs to protect Elizabeth and his father. I agree know? with that. So, but then they're both on different ships and he has to deal with that. That's and... why he wants to go back. Are we yeah. really going to go over all this again? Dang it. Nope, I'm done. Are you sure? Because that's why Will wants to turn around and fight. He wants to go back because he knows that they have the advantage and he thinks he can take the Dutchman. Take David Jones? Yeah. But instead of all that, and going over the entire episode again, I think we should be having a glass of Kraken rum, <laughs> not Chardonnay. We need Kraken. I mean, oh, I mean, come on, Kraken. Some. Kraken rum. I mean, they should be sponsoring the show. It's a no-brainer. We should have got some. Yeah, hey, we, we have a new poster in the studio. Really? We're wrapping things up and you're bringing up a poster in the studio? Yeah, it's kind of cool looking. It's the uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. It's a... Mini- miniature poster of the Pirates of the Caribbean, not the one with the the display of the crew, like Sparrow stuff. It's the actual kind of skeleton manning the wheel. I'll post a, a, that a looks look like, of it. It looks like Jack. Well, it's bandana. kind of a skeleton. It's just a, yeah, it's kind of a skeleton crew. Skeleton Jack. It's a skeleton pirate. But anyways, thanks for listening, Scallywags. If you like the show, give us a review on iTunes. Helps us grow the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Have a question or comment, please give us a call at 8637-PIRATE. We just might play your voicemail on the show. You can also give us a shout at podcast at blackpearlshow.com. And don't forget to join the post-episode brawls on Facebook, our Facebook listeners group, and on Twitter. All the links are at the blackpearlshow.com website. It is that easy. And of course, we're delivering Pirates of the Caribbean info to the masses as the dirty, filthy bilge rats we are. Analyzing, scrutinizing, and plundering... So until then, Scallywags, let's keep the horn swoggling and the Kraken Run drinking to a maximum. Have a good one, y'all. Ahoy! Ahoy, ye arms, or whatever you said. <laughs> it wasn't even there. All, all, all hands ahoy. All hands hoy. All hands hoy with a side of chow mein. Thank you. <laughs> all hand hoy. All hand hoy with some chow mein. There you go. You really know. Damn it. It's <laughs> not enough for me. All I want is to be free and hail Listening to the Black Pearl Show, and we appreciate it, Scallywags. Pirates don't need no stinking disclaimers, but just for fun, I think all you dirty, filthy bilge-rats know that Disney and Bruckheimer Films have no affiliation with us at all, and we have none with those blooming cockroaches. We talk about Pirates of the Caribbean, which is their property, and all that other fun stuff. But I think it's obvious what's ours and what's theirs. There's no need to blur the lines or stir up a bloody rum-filled sweat. As for the music, that's with permission or licensed under Creative Commons. So let's give a shout out to Ross Bugden, Six Nail Coffin, and Tommy Wynn. The rest? Well, that's just me. Oh, maybe Heather. This is a Shoutreach Media Production.